you love me, you will kill me softly. All right, what a way to start the day, and what a way to start the month, and what a way to begin to wrap up the year. It's the first of September, and we are into the ember month. And the program is building bridges, and it's a fantastic start for us. And we, we, the mood is lively today, and we hope to keep it this way uh, until the year runs out and even to the coming year. We don't want to talk about conflict anymore. Well, we have to talk about it, but we don't want to go back into mourning again. My name is John Red and the program is Building Bridges and it's a full house today being the first day of September and I have my friend in the studio, Joe. Well, good morning listener, it's also an interesting time here in the studio and uh, just as uh, Mr. John said, you know, it's quite a way to start uh, the day and perhaps quite a way to start the month. Uh, it's Today is the first day of the month and it's usually called September to remember yeah. and indeed we are here to give you a memorable edition of another interesting uh, 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 radio advocacy program, Building Bridges. We didn't just that again on this edition. And you know, we call it your number one radio advocacy program and today we are here to advocate on some couple of issues and I have, um, well, I have in the, should I let the cat out of the bag? Well, I think uh, we'll just quickly run the, through a uh, uh, topic before we do the introduction proper. I'm sure they, will, they are in the eye spirit, you know, to introduce it themselves. <laughs> yeah, um, I see them smiling. <laughs> well, on today's edition of Building Bridges, we'll be discussing um, internal security operations as it concerns internal security arrangements in Nigeria and Plata State by extension. As you may well be aware, the dynamics of uh, the security challenges bedeviling several regions of the country, um, uh, states and communities, uh, you know, have had uh, different and several untold negative uh, consequences and impact on uh, human and capital development uh, of the country and plateau states and environs, as the case may be. Now, lives and properties have been lost to these unfortunate attacks and other acts of criminalities perpetuated by criminals on the various um disguise you know several have actually painted yes it's communal conflict yes it's religious crisis but hey it's all act of criminality and then we learn to call it as it is it's all criminalities um now available statistics from the norwegian refugee council shows that over two million people have been internally displaced due to the prevailing insecurity across the country now while this remains the constitutional mandate and prerogative of the government to provide security. Citizens have consistently lamented the worsening security across across various parts of the country, despite the despite the internal security arrangements put in place by the government. And as you may well be aware, we have various um, uh, uh, military interventions as well in terms in, in internal security operations. We have various uh, operations, and good for us, we have here on the plateau operation Safe Haven uh, that has actually been keeping us safe. Um, that they've been doing very very well. They've been doing effectively well in protecting us. Now, but the Nigerian police seems to be overwhelmed, leading to increased agitation for community policing. But in return, the conversation seems to be tilted uh, towards uh, state police, you know, to effectively uh, protect lives and property. Now, yes, some might argue, yes, is the Nigerian police really overwhelmed? What can the Nigerian police really do? And how are the Nigerian police, how is the Nigerian police functioning to ensure that, you know, it actually carries out its constitutional mandate despite the military operations as well going on? And what is the synergy between the two? 
Now, the military have been involved in several internal security operations, you know, to complement efforts of the Nigerian police force. And by extension, even those vigilante and community uh, um, community security uh, uh, networks, you know, they've actually been complement, complementing their efforts uh, in, in, in recent times. Now, while this is commendable, we need to discuss the various operations along the lines of their operational codes, their rules of engagement, the global best, global best practice in terms of human rights, uh, civil-military relationship, as well as collaboration with civil society organizations. Now, these will form the crux of our discussion as we take a look at internal security operations. We have with us in the studio, we have... Um, Miss Lois Nanley. Miss Lois Nanley is um, a human and human rights act uh, advocate as well as um, a development worker. You're welcome. And a lawyer. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. She's also a lawyer. Also, we have somebody a legal mind as well, Mrs. Uh, Victoria Agalstein. She's also a, an human rights advocate as well as um, seasoned uh, development worker. You're welcome. Good morning, and it's good to be here. Thank you very much. And lastly, we have with us in the studio to do justice to this topic. We have the big fish, you know, uh, Mr. Kabiru Sabo. Mr. Kabiru Sabo is a public affairs commentator, analyst, a positive people enabler, you know, is also human rights advocate, you know, and a very seasoned development worker. By extension, is also the program's manager of Tick and Paste Desk. And Joseph, thank you for that elaborate uh, description of my humble self. Um, but then, from your uh, brief, um, your introduction, I don't think we have for, uh, enough time. Like, 45 minutes will be enough for us to discuss all of these issues. But we, we believe that God will enable us to trash out some of these issues that are really affecting our society as it is. Thank you. All right, grab your seat. The conversation is about to begin as we delve into the public interest section of this program, Mr. John. Yes, um, on our public interest corner today, we are looking at the ban on tricycle riders and that of hawkers within the just and Bukuru metropolis. Um, while we know there's a ban, we, however, have a picture of, of some tricycle riders operating. Now, we are not for... When, when we begin to consider issues like that, we are looking at the earnings and also the socio-economic impact the ban has on the commercial motorcycle riders and even on commuters. You know, um, in, early, early, in, the, in the early mornings, you have people trying to get these um, tricycles to their offices or to their places of work or to schools. Now, that has been um, stalled. I mean, that has been um, um, delayed, or so, so to say. Now, we are looking at the economic impacts because um, these uh, tricycle riders also have families. However, it is as a result of insecurity and some of the criminal activities of the tricycle riders that the ban is, is, is there. While, while we consider issues like this, we are trying to say, okay, look, can we have um, a sort of integrated um, system whereby we can have... Um, um, vehicles provided by government or individuals or private private individuals to be able to go into the nooks and crannies of our environment. Can we begin to possibly consider bringing back the 
the justicity services we used to have can we even consider to can we even begin to consider training train services i mean from Bukuru to just book just to angulia all of those things so those are positive thoughts we want to leave our listeners with however please if you're a commercial press uh, school rider can you be law abiding and let's stick with the government um, auto, uh, um, um, uh, re- resolutions and at the end of the day i'm sure they're going to bring it back to 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 they're going to bring the operations back now we will be taking a breather from our sponsors and when we come back the conversation continues in earnest keep listening In an ever-changing world, there is a demand for a voice which echoes the thoughts and yearnings of the common man. That voice comes with truth. It's a voice of justice and ultimately the voice upholds peace. The Voice is Building Bridges, your radio advocacy platform aimed at building trust and fostering peaceful coexistence among communities, ethnicities, and groups. Building Bridges comes up every Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11.45 a.m. on J11.9 FM, an initiative of Take and Peace Desk with support by Bread for the World. Welcome back from that uh, short breather as we took a message from our sponsors, uh, Tikan Peace Desk, uh, in partnership with Breath for the World. The program remains uh, building bridges, and we're talking about internal security operations in Nigeria and Plata State by extension. Um, quickly, let's look at, the, let's actually set the piece for the conversation. Let's look at um, internal security arrangement, as the case may be. Let's have an overview of what internal security really entails. Mr. Kabir. All right. Um, thank you very much, uh, Joseph. Um, fundamentally, internal, in, internal security operations are those acts carried out by, um, ideally, it's supposed to be by domestic um, security agents. And so when I say ideally, um, the design has been that um, it should have been the police and then other armed services which are not designated as the military. When I say the military here, I would be saying, I would be referring to the Nigerian Army, Navy, and Air Force. And so um, the design is that, uh, th- of course, this is, uh, this is for the purpose of um, containing domestic threats and, of course, um, for securing the lives and properties of uh, inhabitants of a particular geographical space. Um, Some of these um, threats could be either uh, riots or demonstrations, and they could be either communal clashes or even, in some instances, um, acts of terrorism and banditry. And um, if you look at the composition of the Nigerian police, um, I think initially that was the design. And uh, of course, they had uh, the mobile police force, which um, is actually, name stems from the fact that they are actually highly mobile. And so um, by that, they can move and confront any kind of, they can, they can be asked, they can be tasked and be given an objective to move from a point to another point to quell any kind of civil unrest. And of course, we know that most of these um, um, situations that are highlighted, whether it's riots or demonstrations, are actually civil unrest. They are not um, military, they are not armed. 
And so um, you find out that it, this falls within the purview of what the constitution allows for the Nigerian police. However, um, over time, uh, internal security operations has, um, the design has um, kind of metamorphosed so that it covers, um, it allows for, it has allowed for the Nigerian armed forces to also play um, pivotal um, positions or roles in this um, ISOPs. Most times they refer to it as IOS, ISOs or ISOPs. ISOPs, um, that's internal security operations. So fundamentally, internal security operations are those acts carried out by, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, ideal, um, domestic security um, agents. But then over time, the military have come in. And of course, the primary role of the military as, as, as enunciated or as stated by the Nigerian constitution, that's the 1999 constitution as amended in, I think, section 217, is to safeguard um, the domestic, no, now the territorial integrity of Nigeria. And so there are two distinct um, positions for that. But however, with the need and then with, with felt needs and then maybe with the shortcomings possibly of um, the Nigerian police, we've had instances where we've had to co-opt the Nigerian armed forces into, into um, internal security operations. Okay, I mean, uh, quickly we'll actually look at um, the Nigerian police force. You made mention of a very interesting point earlier on that, yeah. uh, you know, the Nigerian police force uh, as designed actually yes. um, as a, a, a component of actually dealing with emerging situations, emerging security challenges. But over time we've had our fair share of, uh, you know, this conflict on the plateau and mm -hmm. usually um, the Nigerian police force seems to take the back seat, you know, as the case may be. What could be the problem? Y yes, um, well, in my own thinking, I, I, I strongly believe that the first responders in most of these uh, conflicts are usually the mobile police force, which is the arm, which is another, which is the arm of the Nigerian police that is saddled with um, quelling such uh, riots and all of that. But in the event, but we've also seen that most times um, some of these conflicts, whether communal or religious or inter-ethnic, have taken on some kind of armed. Um, nature and so um, the violence, the level of violence is really, really high. And um, by virtue of maybe I don't know if it's um, operational uh, capacity. I don't. I'm, I'm not part of the military or the Nigerian police to state what the gaps are actually. But then you most times find out that um, the. They're, they're, maybe it's in terms of logistics or uh, humans um, that's the number of people that they have at the end of the day they need reinforcements and so of course we have as at one time as as at one time before we became overstretched before our military became overstretched in various internal security operations there were um, troops just readily available that you could they could just mobilize them to come and assist the Nigerian police however um, it there's been a massive um, failure on the part of government to strengthen the Nigerian police because we know that in the Nigerian police we have aside from the mobile police we have other units other specialized units like the um, counter-terrorist units we have um, and these other people who are, who take care of explosives at OED um, and that's explosives and ordnance or something like that and those are specialized units that have been trained and can also support the Nigerian mobile police. Well, thank you very much for that uh, wonderful insight. Uh, you know, uh, quickly we'll actually look at um, 
uh, human rights, uh, uh, human rights uh, uh, abuses, abuses, you know, uh, by these. Uh, by the armed forces, you know, while carrying out their 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 roles um, in these uh, internal security operations, you know, uh, how are they fed over with uh, civil-military relations over time, and uh, what is the state of human rights awareness even amongst the military itself, Ms. Lice. Thank you very much. Uh, I would like to start in this way: the military is now under civil rule. So they are also subject to the constitution of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. And because of that, they are subject to obey the enforcement of the fundamental human rights as enshrined in the constitution. Now, the problem is that probably because of our history, Mm. historically, the police are... that were used by the colonials mm. were mainly used to control people to make sure that they do not step out of line and when eventually we had the nigerian police force though we started well eventually it became something like that as well it is it was a an instrument to control people to make sure they don't step out of line and it is because of that that sometimes the fundamental human rights are ignored. And also, when the military was brought out of the barracks to augment the police, they also acted in the same way. They have, uh, from the time of the military rule, they have been uh, looked at with fear by the common citizen. Uh, the normal person on the streets looks at anybody in uniform as somebody to be feared. It was over time that we were able to tell ranks and know that, okay, this one is a lower rank or this is a higher rank and act accordingly. But the normal relations is that the person in uniform, military, is a person to be feared. Why? Because we have pictures of them beating civilians. We have not just images, their videos, their our own personal encounters of them violating human rights. And we have stories now i'm sure if we think about it a little bit we realize that we have so many instances personally i have encountered them uh, encountered them just a few days as in uh wednesday last week they i had an encounter with the security vehicle that was rushing off to go and uh, do their job somewhere and today one of my colleagues came in talking about an encounter that he had. So you see, these are situations that keep coming up. And we have to make it very clear that sometimes they act out of line. And even when they are trying to act like they are supposed to, they act as if they are doing you a favor. They are making concessions. Like in the case this morning, let me quickly say it. He, they person in the military vehicle hit their car. It was clearly his fault. He comes down and he says he's sorry. And he believes that because he has said he's sorry, he should be able to drive off and not pay compensation. And these people should say, thank you, sir, for telling us sorry and just go away, which is not the case. It's not supposed to be like that. Well, interesting. Uh, uh, you know, 
Human rights is fundamental, as the case may be. It's actually enshrined in our constitution. It's actually enshrined in international charters that Nigeria is signatory. You know, but again, and this is supposed to be part of the training of the military, as the case may be, because they've been involved in international operation as well as local uh, uh, local uh, operations too. So one will actually wonder where is the gap, and uh, is it that perhaps this is not properly carried out during the training phase? Or, you know, it's actually left to chance. Okay, just to add to what my colleague has already said, the constitution which provides that the military, the, the um, primary duty of the um, military is to defend the country from external aggression. Now, it also states that the, the military is also to aid the civil authorities to restore and maintain order and um, peace and order. And so if you look at the orientation, they already have. Theirs is to what uh, to protect the country against external aggression, but co- considering their orientation, they already have the orientation is such that it detects what once they are able to when once they dictate them a potential threat threat, you know they see that person as an enemy, yeah. and so that training they've already had is such that they are supposed to inflict maximum damage to whoever it is that comes to them as threat. So because of that, the international on the others on on the one side, on the other side, the international security operation is such that it requires restraint and the use of a minimum force. So that is one of the gap that I mean you have between the military and then the international security operation that we already have on ground. Yeah. So let, let me quickly add. Um, I, I particularly like the position you came out from. Uh, Maybe I won't want to say anything about your background, actually. But then um, we all know that um, the training of the Nigerian Armed Forces is that um, they, you're, you're primarily trained to annihilate a, a perceived or a designated enemy. So for them, and now that's where, like she mentioned, that's where, uh, where uh, Vicky mentioned, Victoria mentioned, was, is the fact that when, you co- when, they, when, when they're deployed in, in internal security operations, um, there must be some form of um, serious orientation that they should understand that, hey, um, the average Nigerian citizen that you are out there to protect or to keep peace on behalf of is not your enemy. So your, the designation should be such that you are there to, well, first and foremost, keep the peace. If there's anybody and if you are threatened and if you feel threatened to the extent that you feel the other person has enough force to, um, give, uh, to hurt you, that's when you can take certain preemptive uh, measures. But on the basis of that, you have no right whatsoever as in uniformed personnel in internal security operations to ask anybody to do uh, to arrest or to tell somebody to lie down in fact there, there are steps for that no, no. and there are a lot of conventions like she mentioned yes. international conventions that nigeria as a country has ratified are uh, were signatories to these conventions and of course there are officers at command level whether it's um, whether it's sector or at brigade level or at uh, division or uh, whatever level know these things and for us uh, what we're trying to hold is hold these officers to account for their men, for their non-commissioned officers or other ranks. Uh, for us, it is unacceptable. And this is the point now, I want to... Yes, okay. Now, now that's, that's, that's where I wanted to, yes. us to drive these conversations to. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at um, uh, uh, the from what our synopsis had, the Nigerian police seems to be overstretched. Now, in normal situations, we are not even supposed to have the military boots on ground except if we had uh, a tough situation. Yeah. Now, for time we've had the securities uh, and this military 
in, 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 in almost every state in the country now and pulling them out seems almost to be impossible now they do not also en- understand these rules of engagement that we've been yes. talking about <laughs> and how do you expect that well this is a situation of putting a, a, square, a square peg in a round hole Absolutely. Because these people are trained for aggression, and whether we like it or not, these things we have to continue unless um, we we withdraw the lines. Now, I am saying this not because we we do not like the military. No, we we we, we like them. However, we are saying that this conflict has been here over time, and it is high time uh, and we begin to consider other other options than having military boots on. I mean, within our states, I mean the barracks. It's a good place for them, and also on our borders. Now, um, like our other respondent was saying, she has had uh, to to deal with uh, a case where uh, a military almost harassed her, and I've had reports on on, on those issues. Now, the question is, the fall having um, realized that we've had conflict in and around the state. Should we begin to reorientate? Can we begin to reorientate this security personnel, especially the military? Because I, I think to a certain degree, the police understand some of these rules of engagement. Okay, so I, I would like to point out that um, the the military actually has done a lot of work to talk to its a commendable work. Yes, they've done a lot of uh, work to talk to its member, its um, its soldiers Just. that um, they need to deal with the civilian. In a particular way, but I think some somewhere along the line, that show of force is what is uh, predominant. It is not that they have not been cautioned. In fact, some of them have faced court martials for violating uh, the rights of citizens or acting out of their their mandate based on the orders that they have for whatever tasks they are giving at any given point in time. So you have, like in just here. We have the the third armored division has the legal desk and it is a civil military legal desk. And the the point of these kind of places is so that if you have any encounter with the military and you have any complaint, you can make it there. And usually as long as you're able to prove that this thing actually happened, they're very effective in calling the person to order. Now the the issue is that for most times when these encounters take place, you're not there with a phone that you say you recorded. You don't know what his name is. You Because sometimes these people, like the encounter of our colleague this morning, he said the one of them was wearing a mask. Yes. He didn't have his name properly displayed on his uniform. There was no way to identify him. So if that person had actually stepped out of line because he was threatening to slap him, he had his gun in his hand. If he had actually stepped out of line, there's no way apart from people who may be unwilling to step forward and uh, testify. There's no way for us to say this is the person that did this thing in this particular place. Well, so that quickly, they let me actually take that from you. Account. You know, our, our, our military is a professional. Uh, 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 you know, military. Yes, highly trained, but highly again, professional. Yes. Again, us is not a ragtag army, no. but you've seen over time that you know the dressing, the outlook of some of the officers at some point in time, you know, calls for worries. You know. Uh, so I mean, well, well, that's that. It's not. 
for me, I'm not even too bothered about um, the dressing. But of course, one of the issues that she highlighted was the fact that um, you have people uh, conducting internal security operations covering their faces. And so um, what does that give you that I can do anything? What, the message that it sends is that I can do anything and get away with it. And of course, um, there's nowhere that uh, you'll, be, you'll be walking around dressed up, all dressed up, fully kitted or whatever it is, without your name tag. But most of these people don't walk around with name tags. Now, going back to some of these issues of um, of um, abuses, yes, of uh, the military abusing, we had we had a we had an incident last year, um, probably in the month of July or August, um, when there was um, we were responding, we were carrying out a humanitarian response in either Barikinladi or Bokos, and. Um, of course, by virtue of the urgency of, all, of our task and our objective, um, we were all we were moving very fast, and uh, we had an encounter at um, at Haipang, and there's this checkpoint at um, and before Haipang, right? Casa, yes, thank you, at Casa, and one of our colleagues was ma- was made to double round the car, and so when we had when we got uh, notice, um, when we heard of, when we were informed of that on our way back after the intervention, we stopped over at um, the checkpoint and we asked to see the guard commander. And um, while we were still trying to address the issue, the erring soldier was trying to prove, let me use the language of uh, the military now, he was trying to prove Mugabe. I'm going to say, yeah, he was trying to prove all tough and everything. And we told him that, look, we've worked with um, several individuals, several soldiers and officers in Medugri in 2016, and we've uh, had cordial relationships. And so we, our prayer for you is that you end well in the military. We have a lot of parents who've served in the military and they've uh, meritorious and they've retired. And for us, our joy is to see you come back home. We're all Nigerians. The fact that you are wearing a uniform does not make you more Nigerian than us. And for some of us, it's just the option that we did not want to go to the military, and that was why we decided to take a civilian route. And so those are some of the things that this military member should know. And again, like uh, my colleague Victoria mentioned, uh, by way of training, if you go to depot or to any uh, basic training in either uh, tactical air command in Makodi or air, air training command in Kaduna, and they soak you and they roll you and they barrel roll you, that is to desensitize you as an individual so that they make you a... a, a a, a mean killing machine or whatever it is. KBSG. And you have no right to come and ask a civilian to sit in mud. There is no way that that is done. This is purely third world. All right. So, well, um, our phone lines are already buzzing and we, I'm, 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 getting, I'm learning some new terminologies, <laughs> I mean, military-wise. However, if you want to be part of this program, you can call the number 90 You can also call 90 You know the drills, please. When you call us, turn down the volume of a radio set. Let us know where you're calling from and let's go straight to the point. Please, let's not divert from the issues. We're looking at internal security operations. We're looking at uh, military operations in the state here. Yeah, hello. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, my name is Haji Slim. I'm calling from Abatua. Yes, Salisu, you know what? Haji Slim. I say my name is Haji Slim. I'm calling from Abatua. Slim, please, let's get your thoughts quickly. Yeah, you see, but the issue with military men, me, I've come across with them so many times. They have punished me tired that even if I see a military man, I'm not scared of him yet. You understand? They have lost their respect because it doesn't mean the way they train them, they will come and be putting it in our head. 
in such a way that if you take the crisis of 2010 and 2008, you see what they do to most of us in our areas. You understand? In the sense that, okay, any area they are, the women, pregnant young, young ladies there, you understand? That they are not disciplined. And anytime you want to go and report there, some of them they don't have their name massive on their uniform. You understand? They don't use the opportunity to molest we, who are civilians. And it's wrong. Seriously. You understand? It says that yesterday I was in Amadou Bale, we are walking, you know, like the motor did not have horn. The guy that was standing on the hillock just snapped the hillock, boom. And we are not even close to him. What is he doing that for? And the road is free for him to pass. So you see, me, I, have, me, I don't have respect for them again, you know, seriously, because they have tortured me tired, so I'm used to it. So they should just do the needful to others this year. Slim will believe the authority is actually listening and they will do uh, the right thing, you know. But, uh, you know, we advise, uh, we call for professionalism on the part of... We call for professionalism on the part of our military uh, men, you know. It's important, you know, we respect you for what you do, for keeping us safe, for keeping our community safe, but ensure that you also respect the rights of citizens. We have a call. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. It's Radio Mama. I do know calling from Nigeria. Good morning to our guests there. Good morning. Let me Mama. tell you good something. Good morning, Radio Mama. The, the, the problem with the plateau stage is not a keke bagging, keke or bagging going or whatever. You know, let me tell you something. They don't pass in the book. The real problem is double standard and selective justice. That is the real problem. Quote me anywhere, anytime, any day. You understand? These are the things that are making people to take laws into their hands under the guise of either transportation or whatever. If they address these issues, we will go a long way in having peace on Nigeria. I mean, in on Plastic. The peace in Nigeria, they have always claimed they have. I've always said it on in this platform, any other platform, that all the time they have been talking about peace in, in, on the plateau, it has been a cosmetic type of peace, a peace that there's compromise, and the compromise is catered to one side. That is why we have been having that related peace that we are talking about. So the governor of the, the state, whether he's age, whether they are listening or to what I'm saying or not, I've always said it, double standards and selective justice is the issue. So let them address that. God bless you. Let's not give up on Nigeria. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Ma. And indeed, let's not give up on Nigeria. Let's not give up on Plata State. And let's not give up on our communities very very important our phone lines are still open 09055666699 you can also go to our social media page at take and peace desk the conversation is there you can join the conversation there let's see what we have here hello good morning hello good morning good morning we can hear you go ahead uh, this is davo from Barkiladi. all right davo we're glad you called go ahead how do you handle the cases of the visually impaired? For instance, mm. if a visually impaired is molested by a security personnel, mm. he cannot see the tack, mm. you know, on him. Mm. And to talk more of knowing his name. Very well. So in that case, how do you handle it? Very well. Thank you. All right. Wow. Keep listening. We will attend to the, we'll attempt your question. Thank you very much. All right, that uh, Davo from Breaking Lady with a very an, an, an interesting question there. Um, we'll actually attempt your question. You can go to our social media page at Tikan Peace Desk. You can drop your comment there. The conversation is there. Now, phone lines are still open 09055 or 09098 
0548848848 you can join the conversation so let's talk about um the calls we've received so far and then the interesting question asked by the devil from breaking lady you know how would um, visually impair yes uh, <clears throat> okay thank you uh, for haji slim i think uh, you you've said what a lot of um, residents of jos and other parts of nigeria have witnessed in the last couple of years where military have been made to be part of the internal security arrangements yeah okay let's get this call oh okay think we'll lose that that's gone yes and um it's really sad because um most of these um non-commissioned officers or other ranks um, don't well i i believe they've all attended several courses and um for you to to be deployed um most of them usually go to there's um a particular wing in uh, the armed forces command and staff college ajaji that has to do with this okay okay let's get this call hello good morning good morning sir good morning Yeah, All right, Joe from Ferengeda. We're glad you called. Please go ahead. Yeah, the problem is that these um, military men, mm. they, they cover their faces with masks. Mask. It's, okay. not, it's not supposed mm. to stand like this. Mm. They're in my area on Sunday, mm. in the morning. Just one he lost, four of them, and they are wearing masks. Mm. You know, they're down well like that, and they're scattered everywhere. Mm. So my, my 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 opinion is that they sh- they stop covering their face. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You made your point. We're glad you called. Well, and that's another call for professionalism. Yes. So of some of the issues must be that um, they must be well dressed. Their faces must be uncovered, and those are some of our prayers that we have um, or our asks and um, what we demand for. Um, yes. Okay. Let's add this to the t- hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're glad you called. Go ahead. Yeah, my my name is Moses. I'm calling from Russia. All right, Moses. Go ahead. You see, my problem with military personnel is that they don't, they used to put face masks, cover their face like Boko Haram. So, mm. in the situation whereby you will see Nigerian army is coming, you decided you will be like thinking um, that. Oh, el- el- hello, Mr. Moses. Hello, Mr. Moses. We please be civil and be decent in your okay. your choice of word, please and please. Hello, okay. can you hear me? Right, yeah, I'm getting you. I'm ahead. getting you. Okay, you will see a military personnel is coming, mm-hmm. and you will be thinking that maybe it's Boko Haram or maybe it's another another criminal like that. So you will be afraid. So my opinion is that they should be using they should be using their intact, right. and uh, they should stop covering their face, and they should have respect for any other uniform again. All right, like All right. that one that one military molesting us. Mm. So we we don't we don't like that we don't like that so okay. they should be doing the needful work. All right, thank you very much, Mr. Moses. We're glad you called. I think that will be our last call as we attempt um, the questions we have. Yes. Um, so as I was saying, uh, most of this armed um, and when I say um, NCOs or other ranks have taken trainings, various trainings in internal security operation, and one of the hallmarks of these trainings is that once you are deployed. and uh, you are there to build trust and confidence in the communities um of course one of the resounding um points that we've heard from all of our callers is that uh, most of these people wear uh, cover their faces and it's unacceptable there's no way you can't be a un uh, peacekeeper somewhere in sudan and be covering your face 
your name tag and your the your designation that that's the country you're from will be there emblazoned on your shoulder and on your on your breast. So mm. I don't know why the standards are lower when we come here. And we're signatories to most of these international conventions. Um, we have that uh, a lot of con- um, conventions that we're, we've we've um, we've acceded to. And um, we find out that when we come here, this, uh, we, we become third world in all our approaches. And it's really, it's really um, not so um, professional. Uh, professional, yes. But now for the special, uh, now for Davo from Barikin Lady, who mm. actually spoke about um, visual impact. Yes, for those people living with uh, disabilities, there are special status for women, children, and people living with disabilities. Now, the only problem is that if the person was uh, abused if he was abused and well there wasn't anybody he wasn't uh, nobody was accompanying him to actually um, see the person who did that now that's where we have the challenge but if there is in fact this is a special case because uh, um, the United Nations grants them a special status yeah. Oh, yeah. okay quickly let's get uh, your your closing thoughts um, Mrs. Lois I'd like to also answer Davo's question and it is something that applies in all circumstances. There's the quote that the only thing necessary for triumph, for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. We have to learn to speak out. When mm. you see somebody beside you being oppressed, even if you cannot, you feel you cannot intervene, you can, today now, people have smartphones all over the place, record it, be a witness, so that these things will come to a stop. All right, thank you very much, Mrs. Victoria Agalsen. Okay, so the, even the Constitution of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, as amended, provides for fundamental human rights of citizens. And so one of, one of it is those of the right of dignity of human person. In my opinion, even the International Convention has provided for um, Convention Against Torture and Other Cruel inhuman or degrading treatment or punishment against persons. So for me, if there is um, a domestic legislation to regulate the operations of these military um, personnel during international internal operation, it will go a long way to help. All right. Yes. The um, final word is that um, our prayer is that these armed um, members of the armed forces, um, whether men or women, have a fruitful service, meritorious service, and they retire and they come home. However, um, as citizens, we know our rights. You cannot trample on them. And especially for that particular case that happened at the Air Force roundabout, it is most unfortunate and um, it's something that needs to, we need to re, re, re-examine and revisit because I don't see where frontliners like health workers would be asked to, to lie down inside mode. Like I said, it's unacceptable very unacceptable as it is. Um, our, our point of advocacy on this program is that we appeal to the military authority, ensure that you uphold professionalism in the conduct of your duties. It's very, very important when even domestic, when in domestic context, ensure that you respect the rights of citizens. Ensure that um, you protect lives and you respect um, the rights of citizens as well. They are Nigerians as much as you are Nigerians. Very, very important. And also, we also ens- call on them to ensure that you know you actually um, proper dressing and proper means of identification you know it's very important you know that we do that it's very very important from me here i say blessed are the peacemakers my name remains uh, joseph ojadeji i have with me my name is john red and let's do this again by the grace of god same time next week have a blessed day Applause.